this is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're pursued by police across the moors while watching spine number 56 in the Criterion Collection, Alfred Hitchcock's The 39 Steps from 1935. But first, RJ, how are things? Hmm. Things? Things have never been worse, Jarrett. Uh-oh. You remember that line from 2008's The Dark Knight? Things have never been worse. It's just like how it is here. There's crime in the streets. People can't buy cold cuts and peace anymore. It's horrible. I I don't actually know what I'm talking about. I'm just kind of... <laughs> I have nothing, no cool stories, but I ran into you at the grocery store. How was your ham? Oh, my my cold cut ham? Ah, uh, I had Your some. Cold cut I, I had some on a sandwich today. Uh, it was what kind of sandwich? Uh, was it rosemary ham? I got this day. Yeah, so it was rosemary ham with some bread. It was some mustard. It's, that sounds pretentious. Uh, it's pretty good. It was it was uh some very thick slices of uh, deli meat. I was not expecting mm. how thick they were. Um, I was I guess too busy chatting with you to realize how thick a cut they were. But mm-hmm. it, it was fine. It was good. It hit the spot. Uh, I kind of forgot I had a sandwich in my bag till a couple hours after lunch, and then I just like was really pleased that I made a sandwich for myself. Hmm. I feel like an adult, RJ. Well, that's new. Yeah. Are you a thin slice kind of guy? I, Do you prefer the thinly I, 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 slice? Oh, well, see, I don't want shaved because shaved is garbage. But uh, mm-hmm. I, def- I like a, I like a slice, but I like some substance behind that slice. But I don't want it also to be just like uh, a, a haphazard slice of meat cut off of a big old hunk. Because then it's just like, well, I might as well just eat it without bread. What's, you know? Mm-hmm. You sound kind of high maintenance. I'm a high maintenance sandwich guy. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I had a sandwich today too. I got these buns, Jer, mm-hmm. and I cut them in half, and then I toasted them in a pan. Yeah. So my so my sandwich had a little crisp to them, you know. What, what, my bun. What in went what went in between those buns? Oh, uh, this is your uh, your Dagwood, you know, ham and turkey type mm-hmm. of deal. Gotcha. Some uh, uh, spicy mustards mm-hmm. and uh, some other things that I, I don't really want. To talk about. Were you able to uh, find that cottage cheese? Oh, I found the cottage cheese. No, no thanks to from you. Yeah. <laughs> that does. That's not how that saying is. It doesn't no, matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. This chump's blocking on all the dairy aisle. I can't even get by. Girlfriend's screaming at me because I don't have the cheese yet. Oh, it was horrible. It's just upsetting all around. Upsetting. Yeah. No, I had to talk about sandwiches because I don't have anything cool going on right now. Damn. Is that, so, is that working? Any, anyone is... tuning in for the first time <laughs> will be really like put off by this. Yeah, you didn't get drunk anywhere. Well, that's probably not true. You just don't talk about it all the time. Um, uh, I got really drunk on the weekend, but, but I wasn't going to talk about it because it got me into sig- some significant trouble. <laughs> Maybe it was overdue. No, no, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty responsible drunk. I don't ever, I don't ever cause a scene. I don't ever get so sloppy that like I have to be cared for. I just, I just get really drunk. <laughs> so. I don't know. It's fine now. I bought Andrea two pizzas the other day, so I think I made up for it. Uh, were those pizzas from Pizza Hut? One was from Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. One was from a different store, Two Guys Pizza. That's what I mean. I had to get her two separate pizzas to s- smooth the ice on that one. Did you do these uh, like on the same day? 
yeah, I ordered them at the same time. Oh my god. Yeah, that's 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 the kind of shit I was in, Jared. I had to get pizza from two separate places just to try to break the ice with her. Wow, it's pretty that, tough. That's uh, that's a that's a rough man. But as you said, maybe I had it coming, so maybe, whatever. Maybe. Maybe. We'll we'll see after next mm-hmm. weekend if if it happens again. Well, well, maybe one day you'll have your uh, Stephen King moment of clarity. Mm, I think I'll go the opposite route. Yeah, I'll, just... I'll be like like Owen, Owen <laughs> King, and just keep grabbing on this last straw that I have. Mm-hmm. Sweet Mama Hooch. Poor Owen. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, between Yo. buying pizzas and getting drunk and vomiting and all that fun stuff, what have you been? I did. What 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 have you been creeping on this week? I'll have you know I did not throw up this weekend. It was okay. a, it was a very rare occurrence. I usually do, but this weekend I don't. So oh. or this weekend I didn't. Okay. So I'm pretty proud. Okay. Um, I uh, I only got two in because I've been really busy, and that's why I don't have any cool stores for you. One was a, a series though, so in the time I watched that, I could have watched two movies. I think mm. so. That's kind of a bummer. But uh, Andrea was into it, so it made for easy watching because she had it on. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Movies that I creeped on. I watched this thing on Netflix called The Keepers. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Yes, I have heard of you that. You have? Yes, because uh, Chanel actually okay. watched it a few weeks ago. So this is what they call a docu-series is the hot new button term mm-hmm. now. And uh, so this is about a nun who died. In the 60s, she was murdered, and it, the crime was, was never solved. And then what happened as they were, not the, the documentary people, it came out after, and then the documentary people kind of ran with both stories, is that at the s- school that this nun uh, worked at, there was a priest. It was a Catholic school. And there was a priest there who was basically raping everybody. Well, fucking if everybody. If there's one thing that we know about Catholic priests. Oh, well, come on. Okay. Okay, so the story is it's a school called like Keo in uh, Baltimore, and there it was run by priests and nuns, and a nun was murdered, and then there was this one guy, he was the chaplain, and he had a pretty sordid history. And uh, in the '90s, this all happened in the '60s, and then in the '90s, uh, a bunch of people came forward, and so the documentary is, is that they're like looking into what happened at the school and this kind of theory that it was this rape priest that kind of <laughs> killed the nun mm-hmm. because she was going to like blow the whistle on it. So he had his creepy friends kill her basically. <laughs> um, that's what the story is about. Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, it's a, like, it's a super interesting story and it's really sad because you have all these people whose lives have just been ruined by this like, Petter ass like molester and that sucks uh, it's good but it's I'd say it's not great it's not like the OJ documentary because that mm-hmm. thing was so fucking crisp like it just flew at you um, this thing the biggest problem is that it kind of wanders a little bit like it kind of gets lost in itself like uh, because it's seven episodes long I feel like they that was probably what they were told by Netflix to make was like seven episodes mm-hmm. so they had to stretch it out to that you know so when as chanel was watching this like i i don't think Mm. i saw a single frame of it but i heard it but it seemed like there was it seemed really redundant even though i wasn't watching it and like i could be like uninformed on this because i didn't watch it myself but it seemed like man it seems like they're just kind of going over the same ground over and over and over again it it seems like it it sounded 
padded out. Um, oh, it's definitely, it's super fluffy is how I would describe it. Like, so it's padded out because, and it's redundant, I think because they use the same information you've been given already to try to build on new theories, but it's not really anything substantial enough. Like mm. you don't really get the vibe after they like, after they set up this new thing, it doesn't really seem to go anywhere. And you're like, all right, like, I guess it's kind of about the story since it happened, but it's not super relevant or like important. Uh, one of the, one of the big things I think is cause they do a lot of like reenactment stuff for like for power. Cause it, it wouldn't be the same if you didn't see that priest, like about to rape a girl. So they do like reenactment stuff, but then they, they recycle it a lot. I think mm-hmm. that's where that redundant stuff comes in there. Yeah. But then they also kind of like, a few times they drift away and it's just like, what? Like there, there's a part in an episode where they talk about like the riots in Baltimore, like the, like the black lives matter, what became black lives matter stuff. They talk about that for like 10 minutes. And it's like, what does this have to do with anything other than it was, it's in this, from the same city. It's separated by 50 years. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different thing. Like it's the black lives matter. I don't think was about cause they all got raped by priests maybe it was i don't know (laughs) but so there's like stuff like that and then there was another really weird one where they were like talking about the priest and then all of a sudden they were like uh ted bundy jack the ripper and they were like naming like serial killers and it's like what it doesn't like do it doesn't go anywhere you're like why do they even fucking bring that up right it's very bizarre so this is seven fucking episodes and they're all an hour long not 55 minutes (laughs) like an hour and three um, if it was like three episodes, it would probably be really good, hmm. but, uh, that's not how the world works, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have a Netflix show. You gotta binge watch it. You gotta binge watch your yeah. raping priests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, see, that's what, like, it's, it's a strong enough thing. It, it would stand up on its own, especially if it was like a, a short run, but, uh, I don't know. They just had to pad for more episodes, I guess, for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure they thought it was all important, but I don't think so. Like, there's this one big lead where it's like, uh, this lady's like, my, my ex-husband killed her. And, like, he, he seems like he might be a suspect. But then later you realize it's like, oh, no, he was just, like, one of those guys that, you know when there's a popular ser- serial killer and then, like, uh, 20 people call in? They're like, I did it. Yeah. It seems like he's one of those. Yeah. So, and then, like, when they actually interview him, you're like, oh, this guy's just kind of a nut bar. Like he he obviously has nothing to do with it. Hmm. Is talking about it? I don't know. Maybe some people would like that because reaching a little bit. I don't know, man. Yeah. Have you watched the? It's okay. Um, I, yeah. I was gonna say, have you watched the Paradise Lost movies? Oh no, I've wanted to though. Oh, well, I've I've, I, I've got them bad boys. If you want to borrow them. Yeah, sling them this way. Okay. Done. Sling them this way. I'm into those. Deal. They're uh, they're they're fantastic. I think I've seen the first one actually. It's they, so that's kind yeah, of wonky. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Uh, they they hold up to rewatching too. They're they're really well. Uh, I mean, I think they kind of. Def- I don't know if they say they, they, they defined it because that'd be probably more of the thin blue line. Which have you mm-hmm. seen the thin blue line? I have. Okay, I have. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, no, I've seen that one. Which isn't that a Criterion? It sure is. Ah, well, we'll get there one day. One day. But 
Uh, no. So the keepers, it's a really interesting story. Yeah. And um, something a lot of like everyone should watch. It's just it sucks that it's so fucking long because I could see that being off putting to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I guess like ideally, I mean, a person doesn't have to watch like all seven hours in one go. You can pace that over a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do like it. They keep you interested enough, though. Like it's a Netflix series. It it keeps your attention enough. Right. But uh, yeah, there's a few things you're just like, man, whatever. Uh, but after that, I don't know why, Jarrett. But I was really in the mood. Like, I, I remembered that I wanted to watch this for a while. And I was like, you know what? It's kind of a documentary. So just now I watched uh, the Burkittsville 7. Right. <laughs> which I don't know why. Like, all week I was like, I should watch that Blair Witch documentary. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Have you seen this? I don't think so. I've watched a few of the Blair Witch documentaries, but I have not seen Burkittsville mm-hmm. 7. Okay, so I, so this one is about like the story they tell in Blair Witch about the guy Rustin Parr who like killed seven or eight kids uh, out in the woods in the Blair Witch house. Right. This is like a documentary about the, that guy, which I, I'm pretty sure he's not real, right? Like this isn't any real stuff, no, is it? No, no. Okay, okay, yeah. So this is just like. Uh, a su- supplementary material to accompany the Blair Witch Project. Uh, again, I don't know why I watched this. For some reason, because you haven't watched Blair Witch Project in how long? Uh, probably like I watched it like a year or two ago. Okay, but it's like but, fairly removed from like saying, yeah, you know what? I don't want to check out that Burkittsville. You should watch it like either right before or right after. I don't know why I watched it. But yeah, so it's about that guy, and then there, there's like there's like these people who create this big conspiracy theory because one of the one of the eight kids was alive and they're like we think he was the serial killer and so it's like interviews with all these people and then it's like they try to go for mock footage of like what it would be like in an in an insane asylum in the 60s with the kid who like the survivor who grew up Mm. um it's not bad Yeah, yeah yeah it's like it's actually, I thought it um it was better than I thought it would be. It's interesting, mm-hmm. makes you think it's almost real. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, man. I have no idea why I watched this. <laughs> like it's all fine. So well, I guess it was because I was watching the keepers with all this this religious raping, and then I was like, what other has what else has weird rape stuff? And then and you didn't message, and seven. I'm surprised you didn't message me saying, hey, Jared. Yeah, I know. Well, you could have given me too many options. Yeah. Well, RJ, uh, depends actually, on what, uh, what kind of rape do you want? Some male on female? Female to male? Male to male? Other, 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 fe- otherworldly on human? Uh, I guess female to male because that's kind of the uh, the one that you don't see very often. Mm-hmm. And the one you, you find most enticing? Most, most arousing. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched that. Uh, I guess, You know the reason I watched it is because it was half an hour. Uh, and I was like, sometimes I, was like, I makes, got Yeah, it makes yeah. all the difference, that short run time. I was like, I got to get something else in there because I can't just talk about the rape priest. Yeah. I could have, but... You could have. I'm, try, I'm trying to provide something for the audience. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I did watch our weekly roundup, but that's it for me, so I'll okay. send it to you. So, so you watched Twin Peaks? I did, I did. Yeah. I'm a semi-regular now. Nice. And you're just you're yeah. still watching these on your own. 
Uh, Andrea actually saw some of it, and she's like, what's this? I was like, it's Twin Peaks, baby. But uh, if she's going to watch it, I think we'll have to go back to the start and yeah. do it right. Oh, yeah. No. I wouldn't I wouldn't just drop her in no, halfway. It'd be, it'd be so pointless. I mean, I, I kind of like when I've been watching the show, I've been thinking about it. It's like, well, I think of this as like season 28, I guess. Like, it's like, I imagine, yeah, the sh- kind like, I, I kind of imagine the show has been going on for 28 years, but we haven't watched it. And now we're just getting caught up on it. And so, like, stylistically, the show has changed from what it was in 1990. And now we're getting like, this is the modern version of it like the storytelling is kind of like way looser and broken down and it just assumes that you're kind of caught up with it and you're just going with it um but it also realizes that you haven't watched those like intervals at all like you're just like coming into this new and it's like oh yeah like you've seen a lot of coop in this time so you don't have to see him all the time or now you see him broken down and stuff like that um Mm -hmm. with this new episode like man stuff with like uh dougie it's like really like tough to watch because it's like so sad (laughs) oh fuck yeah yeah it's like brutal i'm like fuck it's like he's just broken and like this like he and he can't do anything about it like Mm -hmm. because i mean uh chanel and i were talking about this and how like because essentially dougie was this like i don't they haven't really explained what dougie is like he Mm -hmm. was is he actually a human being or was he like this trap that they that the the forces of evil in the twin peaks universe have created Mm -hmm. to basically trap cooper from like taking over his own body, I guess, um, right. like in, in taking whatever they call Mr. C, uh, and in, in taking that and taking over that body, I guess. Um, and so they haven't really, I don't, I doubt they're going to explain any of that because who ultimately cares? It's all very symbolic, <laughs> uh, the uh, way it is, but, yeah. um, it's good postulating. Yeah. Like this is like, yep. what do, I mean, that's like, I think they, I don't even think it's postulating. I think they laid it out pretty. Cause like the idea is like, they created a body that when Cooper comes through, he doesn't show up into Mr. C's body. He goes to the mm-hmm. Dougie body. And in the meantime, the Dougie body has been used, I think for like, uh, crimes when, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. C can't be there. So he, they, they've just been using it as like a vacant body that they can just occupy to commit horrible things sure because um, there's like the one comment that like the Naomi Watts character mentions about like oh you're having one of your blackouts again or your episodes again and it seems like mm-hmm. no one seems to be really that like concerned with the fact that like this man seems to have had a stroke <laughs> yeah <laughs> and which is fine like that's like this universe where people don't give a sh- like there's a disconnect there yeah but uh, but he's getting shit done though yeah. he brought he provided for his family and he cracked the case at the insurance mm-hmm. firm Make, so he he's really doing stuff. Make sense of it. <laughs> so why would you question it? You yeah. know. But no, I agree with you. It is so hard to watch sometimes. Like it wasn't this episode, but last week, mm. uh, when um, uh, she's Naomi Watts is driving him, and he's just staring at uh, what's it, Sunny Jim, the boy. Yeah. Uh, their boy, and he just like a single tear comes out. He's just yeah. like looking at him. You're I, just like, man. Yes, yeah, before he gets into the car, right? Yeah. She's just sitting there. Yeah, but in this episode, there's just like this, like he's like totally like hopeless, like he's helpless, mm-hmm. like he can't do anything about it. But he seems like he's starting to like snap out of it. I'm a th- I'm assuming that that we're going to see Coop back like normal by the middle of the season. So right. we're two episodes away from that. Um, but we also mm-hmm. got now uh, the 
uh, little man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that guy was so fun. Oh, I love his, uh, his theme song. Yes, he has a theme song. Oh. Uh, yeah, so that guy shows up, and uh, I was like, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, Hitman. Like, David Lynch likes Hitman a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he, they show up in his stuff all the time, it seems. Yeah. Um, but this one, fuck, like, I didn't know. Like, I just started laughing, and then <laughs> he just started fucking brutalizing this woman with an ice pick, and I was like, Yep. Oh, but like I still was laughing because it's just like how like abruptly violent it was, and uh, yeah. So. I think they set you up for that though because just before it happens, that fucking song plays, yes. and then you see him running down the fucking hallway. Yeah. It's hilarious. But, it, but it's like, oh shit, what's he gonna do? And then oh oh, he's just going to murder her. And then oh, this woman saw him. Mm-hmm. He's going to murder her too. Her too. And, and he's upset that he bent his ice pick on their I would be too. bones and ground yeah so that was that was good um and then there's i guess like the two big beats in this were the the, the continuing adventures of unnamed richard horn um and his uh. like his his uh drug dealing exchange with uh, another cr- criminal scumbag and it just reminds mm-hmm. me of how good david lynch is at like creating criminal psychopaths and like just like yeah just i don't know there's like without they're not super articulate or smart and like talking wise like you would in most mm-hmm. movies they're like i don't know there's like an intensity and like kind of irrationality that also uh, i think creates a bigger sense of violence happening at any moment so the scenes just have yep. like a like a real sense of like i don't know what's going to happen and that's really scary and like i don't know rj how many dealings you've had with the underworld but a when, lot. whenever i've like i don't know kind of come any in, into any proximity with like these types of people they kind of mm-hmm. have this vibe to them that's like i don't want it like they're like trying to be they actually try too hard to be nice and normal when they're talking to mm-hmm. civvies and so like this is like how they talk with one another and it's like yeah it doesn't make any sense like it wouldn't make why it doesn't make sense to i think a regular person mm-hmm. why people would become involved in the crime in this particular level and this violent mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think it's an interesting thing that Lynch has done, like since like Blue Velvet, Lost Highway, mm-hmm. um, to depict criminals is like they, they don't make sense in a conventional right. way, but it makes sense within their own world. Even when they do magic tricks with nickels. Mm-hmm. Well, ne- next time I re up from my supplier, I'll bring yeah. you along to see uh, to get the legit mm-hmm. legitimacy out of it. Uh, no, I, I know what you're talking. He, yeah. yeah. It's just another thing he does so, so well. So great. Uh, and yeah. hey, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but here's a hot take oh. for you. Harry Dean Stanton is old as fuck. You know what? I've been thinking that for 20 years. 20 years ago, Harry Dean Stanton was old as fuck. Now he's old as fuck. And in 20 more years, he's going to be old as fuck. Yeah. Um, he's going to live forever. Man, like, well, it's funny because, like, I think there's, like, the, the whole sequence with him, like, him yeah. smoking and, like, talking about how he's been smoking for 75 years. And, I'm like, that's basically David Lynch. I mean, because David Lynch, as oh, far yeah, as I yeah. know, he's still uh, smoking like a chimney. Uh, he is. And, I mean, Harry Dean and him are both doing just fine. Just fine, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so smoke them if you got them, kids. Uh, smoke. But, yeah, so I think, yeah, Harry Dean's then, like, I, I, I kind of saw him. And I didn't realize he was going to show up here. And I was like, oh, Wow, yep. I mean, he looks like so much like people that live in southern Alberta. It's kind of ridiculous. Oh shit! Yeah, he, yeah. You just got to put a John Deere hat on him. And yeah, fuck. It's just it's there. Well, because he's in uh, that straight story as well, which also involves oh, a particular brand of tractor. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, yeah, that was all really good. And uh, your for your prediction of incoming doom was made true. So 
Yeah. And then uh, your uh, pick'em call about uh, Laura Dern's character mm-hmm. was there too. Well, because it's like, after you'd mentioned that, I was like, no, they're not going to bring Diane into it. She's supposed to be left kind of ambivalent, but or like, it's this vague thing. But then, like, I read like an article and explaining, like, oh, they're going to have a scene together. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, she's Diane. <laughs> like, because there's no, there's yeah. no other character she could be in the, it, in the story. So, well, th- that, that's why I thought that. I was like, man, Laura Dern is like, Laura Dern and Kyle McLaughlin are David Lynch. Yeah. So it would make sense for her to be the opposite. Like I said, that was stupid, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I believe I read an interview and this is, I guess, spoilery, but I, I, I can't imagine anyone cares. Uh, I, I think Laura Dern just said like her, her and Kyle's scene, they talk about like Robins and then like, Oh, it's this mm-hmm. blue, blue velvet. <laughs> so it's like, blue it's velvet. all, it's all going back to it. And, it's uh, full circle. Yeah, it's, that's what it is. This is about just seeing the ravages of time. There's like that great shot of the uh, kind of the boss of the insurance company that uh, Dougie mm-hmm. works for. And like you see him standing beneath like the giant print of himself, like in his yeah. youth as a boxer. And again, mm-hmm. it's just like this like weird contrast of like, oh, that's what he used to look like. And now he looks like this and like what's happened. And it's just like a reflection again mm-hmm. of this whole world that's uh, being built up week by week. Um, it yeah. sucks that we only get whatever 12 episodes more to go 12 more hours because like i don't know it's yeah. uh, I, I just love watching it even though like i'd say this may be like not like a super strong episode um yeah like, there's, there wasn't like a lot of like whoa big moments other than oh we got we got diane and uh but, i mean that's all it's yeah, all set up that, it, it kind of feels like mm-hmm. the next series of setups are happening right now they did set up a lot of stuff though i mean you had the coke deal gone or the drug dealer guy because there was that whole scene with the lady eating pie. She saw yep. some stuff. That'll be a big setup. We got Diane. We got the little man. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Hawk. He was finding some stuff. Chad. We got we got fucking Chad. fucking Chad. Chad. Yeah. So there was all sorts of setup stuff. It'll. We'll get there. But no, I agree with you. It's not like it's not the most standout one. Yep. But it had Diane in it, so I I think they they knew it was a slower app. So they're like, and, let's throw some more and, shit in and, there. And ice pick. And ice pick. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and also pretty... that, and that also sets up that oh man, Ice Pick's coming for fucking Coop, and Coop is in no well, position to defend himself. He's coming for Dougie. Yeah, Big Doug. Yeah, no. Uh, I hear you. I feel you. Good. I was gonna say something. Oh yeah, I was thrown off by fucking Diane's hair. Oh yeah, that was not the hair I thought she would have. No. So I don't know what that's all about. Uh, wig, disguise. That, well, that's what I thought. Yeah. I get maybe she's undercover. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so yeah, yeah, that Twin Peaks is still trucking along. Um, after last week, we were talking about how I could watch Ghost World anytime at the drop of a hat. I mm-hmm. popped in and watched that Ghost World, and I still love that Did it movie. Hold up? Yeah, I mean, I find that I'm pretty. Uncr- I could never really be too critical of that movie. I think there's mm-hmm. like certain problems with the movie in terms of like, I don't know. Uh, it feels like a movie that did get made in 2001 in some oh. ways. Like little, little bits are there that kind of age it a bit more now as far as like character beats and stuff like that. Um, but on the whole, like most of the issues with it are like minor and like my, my nostalgia totally outshines any issues I could have with the movie or anything that anyone would have a problem with it. Um, the movie's just too close to me uh, in my mm-hmm. life for me to like – think about it too much or give a crap because it gets so much right that like other movies just never ever do it's it has a perspective that movies just don't uh 
bother with because they're not made by Terry Zweigoff. Um, and Terry Zweigoff only really got to make this type of movie once in his whole career because he made Bad Santa. But that movie was pretty mainstream in its approach as a comedy. Uh, Art School Confidential just wasn't that good, if I remember correctly. Mm. Um, and then he hasn't really done anything since. So, I mean, Ghost World was it. And then before that, he made he was making documentaries. So, I mean, Ghost World was an infusion of, like, his... Uh, crumbing his crumbness and like his like i don't know uh misanthropic view of the world which uh i love and embrace yeah um the characters are still good actually i find i was really surprised uh just how much the uh becky and enid story like their friendship is already like uh fraying so early on in the movie mm-hmm. um and it makes total sense for it to happen i guess now that i'm older i see yeah some people just don't get along after a short period of time yeah. Um, and but yeah, like the movie is it absolutely, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, Seymour, it's Steve Buscemi. Uh, he brings so much to that movie. He's so good. But I mean, that's essentially, it's Terry Zweigoff's character. I mean, he's this right. like sad sack record collector. Uh, just, mm-hmm. he feels like out of time and stuff like that. So yeah, he's great. And yeah, just, just like the attention to background detail in that movie is just incredible. Like there's just like these throwaway people that like are not, never shown in movies. They are. They don't exist yep. in movie time, but in like reality, they're all over the place. And so, in Ghost World, they populate that this uh, desolate landscape, uh, which I guess is like Southern California, uh, just worlds of strip malls and streets and people just wandering around with fast food and getting to their back to their apartment to eat in loneliness and in quiet and. I don't know. Sounds like my life. Yeah, it's like most people's lives, I think. It's, yep. Yeah. Uh, I love this movie. It's great. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it in full five, six plus years from now. It'll be at, at least 20. Uh, yeah, at least 20 at this yeah. rate. Yeah. I'm going to drop a bomb on you. I don't think I've seen Ghost World in like 15 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I've I, only seen it once and it was around when it came out. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. we could always rectify that. That oh, oh, I have to say, so that I can't remember if I mentioned this last week, but that Blu-ray package, the Criterion mm-hmm. of this, is awesome. Like, it's such a nice. Uh, the, it's got, it comes with a little comic in it. The, no, the, <gasps> the book's got really nice production photos. Uh, yeah, and there's some commentary that I'm going to have to listen to sooner than later. Some special features from the old DVD. It's really good. The movie looks just fine. Like it's not like a big blow away looking movie. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still like a comedy. So it's like not like, wow, look at the shots, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, the colors and the costumes are great. Uh, yeah, a great movie, yeah. RJ. One of my all time faves. It sounds like a pretty good movie, uh, but yeah. I, I don't think I'll watch it for the six, for the six years until we get to it again. For <laughs> 10 years, 10 years. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess that's something, eh? That's something. Um, one second. Mm-hmm. Chanel, can you turn it down a little bit? Oh my God. I'll talk to Chanel in a southern accent when I want to mm. be polite. Are you from Burkittsville? Burkittsville. Rustin Parr. Is that better, RJ? That is better. Thanks. I don't know. It got really I loud fir- for a second there, and then yeah. It went, yeah. I figure if I can hear it, then uh, oh, it's yeah. coming through the mic. Hundred percent, it is. Yeah. So you play, you pull that shit again. I walk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, out of here. <clears throat> mm-hmm. so, uh, so the other thing that I did for no particular reason, it kind of carries over from earlier uh, last week, was uh-huh. uh, I've been on this like electronic music kick 
putting together like oh, like audio playlists. I'm like, but I'm not talking like current electronic music. I'm talking like the history of electronic music. Uh, I don't mm. know why. Like a lot of stuff in the '70s, the experimental stuff, and the and try to like more of like pop. Uh, experimentation with using electronic music and like methods of making music and sound um, for popular music that's listenable. Uh, but mm-hmm. That also led me to like finding like these like six, seven hundred track long playlists on YouTube that have like every single example of electronic music since like 1928 when like Russian avant garde experiments were happening through like the 30s, 40s. And then when people are just like, how do you make, a, how does a computer make a sound? And they're just plugging in stuff and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. So, this is how I've been spending my nights <laughs> for no reason. Jeez. I'm not a musician. I have no interest in being like a, a musician. Uh, I just like find it neat, RJ. It's neat. It's neat, you say, yeah, huh? Nifty. Um, okay. So in the last few days, I, I checked out this one particular documentary called uh, like the Delian Mode, Delian Mode. Uh, it is about uh, the life and work of uh, Delia Derbyshire who Mm -hmm. is the co-creator of the Doctor Who uh, TV show theme. Oh, gross. It's awesome. Oh, the theme. I thought you meant, I thought you just said the TV show. I was going to be like, oh, gross. Who gives a shit about the TV show? Uh, Yeah. No, I'm talking about the, uh, the, the theme, theme which yeah, is, that's awesome. which like that old sixties theme is so good. I remember hearing that. And I'm like, you, you can't believe that this was like the sixties when that was, uh, crafted. Um, so anyway, it's just, it's like a 25 minute, like, I think it's like a Canadian documentary about her, uh, this British woman who just like was working at the BBC, like basically studio that that's all their job was to like, Hey, make sound effects and make music and stuff like that. And she got mm-hmm. like this, the, her co-collaborator, uh, brought this uh, piece of music together and she built it up using the technology of the early 60s. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if she just started making like these uh, early electronic symphonies and like compositions using just like found sounds, slicing up the tape the old-fashioned way, not the way that we can do things effortlessly now. Like how it takes me like, you know, like 10, 15 minutes to knock out one of these episodes. In the olden days, it would take hours and hours to get it right. And then if you screw up, you have to start over from scratch and re-record everything. Real pain in the butt. Mm. But she's kind of celebrated mm. now as like a, an early female pioneer uh, of this sort of uh, sound. And just talking right. about how, I mean, it seems like like Doctor Who fans know who she was, but like for a long period of time, she didn't get credited for it because BBC didn't want work for hire people to be credited for this stuff because otherwise they'd have to pay royalties to them and they don't want to do that. Now they have to, but they they had like a thing where, oh, did, that didn't start till like 1983 or something like that. Um, right. So she was kind of like left to her own devices. She kind of quit where she was working and apparently like from the sounds of it, drink herself to death because nice that's what that's living that rock star lifestyle of being an electronics uh-huh. artist working for the bbc i i would have thought she would have went down from like a drug overdose more so than dr- like uh the drink no yeah no i was just like apparently she had a drinking problem never really mm-hmm. got like went beyond what she was doing just noodling around a lot in her own time i think she died in like 2001 she was doing what? Noodling about. It's Oh uh, my god. <laughs> yeah, just like making sounds and like, oh, I'm going to try doing this and getting it just right and you just keep doing that over and over and over again, but you never actually release anything into the world. Uh, uh that's that sort of sad sack thing that lots of people kind, do, suffer from, I think. 
kind of like how you tell me you pub- put these episodes out in the internet, but yeah. I've yet to find a single one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Including I got this you one. figured out, mm-hmm. including this one. It just goes into Jarrett's personal files. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I watched the one documentary, Theremin, an electronic odyssey. Um, you fucking nerd. So this is about the guy who invented the theremin, Professor Theremin. Uh, of course it is. And it's just about the history of theremins. I remember like seeing this. This was like an MGM like cult classics DVD back in the day. It had this like very like weird kind of like cover that like fit like more like their horror sci-fi science fiction cult movie look and for some Mm -hmm. reason like theremins i had no idea what a theremin was back in like 2000 it was like what 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 is that what is that word right but then it's like oh it's that thing that makes that weird sci-fi sound and i'm like okay there's an entire documentary Uh about this guy um of course that had no interest for me for the last you know 18 years I've known about it, but then I'm like, hey, I'm watching all this stuff about electronic music. I should probably check out this thing about the theremin. So I watched that. I mostly just had it on while I was like drawing because it's mm-hmm. it's a tough watch. Like, I don't know. the the I was watching something. It was off Vimeo and the recording of it, like the audio was kind of muffled and the guy's like, when they recorded this stuff, he's like probably like 95 years old and like English is a second language. And so he's tough to like pay attention to what he's saying. There's no Mm -hmm. subtitles. And then there's times where there's literally a woman talking in Russian and there was no subtitles at all. And so I'm like, (laughs) okay, well I don't care what she's saying, I guess. Um, Uh And it's, it just seemed like really like for an hour and a half, it's, it felt really, really long. And uh, I've kind of suffered nice. from that problem. Uh, this seems to be the theme, maybe, of uh, overlong documentaries that could be, like, way shorter. Uh, yeah. That falls into that camp. Um, mm-hmm. I followed that up with a documentary on Moog synthesizers. Can, can I, I was going to say, I have a theremin story for you. Okay. I don't know if you know this, but the theremin became really hot in pop culture a couple years ago because of that show, Big Bang Theory. Okay. Because they play theremins in there. One time when I was working at the comic store, a fucking like 12-year-old kid came in and he was like shuffling about, kicking rocks. And he came out of the counter and he's like, uh, hey, um, do you guys sell theremins? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was uh, like, what are you? I was like, are you serious? Because I didn't know it was like in that show. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, do you sell those? I was like, no. <laughs> like, I didn't want to call him an idiot. Yeah, go he was, to he was a dumb music kid. store. Yeah, I was like, uh, no, dude. I was like, we don't have those. And he's like, oh, okay. And he kind of like just slowly walked, like Charlie Brown did out of yeah. the store. And I was like, what the fuck? They'll never get fuck. a Thurman now. I remember because I went home and I was I, I think I told everybody. I was like, some fucking kid asked me for a Thurman today. And then they told you all about Big Bang Theory. Yeah, someone told me about it, and I was like, "Oh, that makes my story less cool." Uh, so yeah, my uh, my yeah. friend Amanda, she's uh, she likes that electronic stuff, and she has a theremin. But she, but it up. she and I tried it out actually. Uh, it's I don't know, it's an odd. That sounds it, made up too. It, it's an instrument, all right, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Whatever. Sorry, Fuck you it. keep going. Anyway, so you, you... Uh, I watched a documentary on Moogs, uh, on Moog synthesizers, and the creator of the Moog synthesizer, Robert Moog. I'm unfamiliar with a Moog. Uh, M-O-O-G? Yeah. It's just a, synthesi- and... it's a synthesizer. Uh, okay. It's like a particular, it's like 
it kind of became like one of the first like kind of commercial not commercially available but like that anybody could maybe buy one and they'd be kind of affordable and they were packed in with like tons of options to distort sound uh this i don't know it's like a standard thing like there's like entire like albums that they just like would put produce like mm-hmm. hey it's star wars but we're gonna put it through a moog and like so it's like the john williams score moogified and that's the sort of gimmick that they did for like throughout the 70s if you if you hear that weird synthesizer sound it's probably a moog um so this is just a documentary about mm. the guy who invented okay. it and um i don't know it's very uh insider baseball like you'd have to uh really i don't know be into what? this stuff to okay, know. I got. It. I see what you mean. Yeah, you'd have to really know what you're talking about to like to get in anything out of this. I think so. Mm-hmm. Again, it's kind of also a, a strikeout for me. Uh, the one, the one documentary I watched that was not a strikeout was Brian Eno, Another Green World, which I guess was like mm-hmm. an hour long uh, episode of Arena, this uh, British television show that just does documentaries and random sort of stuff. Usually, like. They, they, they spend a lot of time putting these together, I suppose. Uh, so they're yep. a little bit more polished. So this is just like an hour-long look at Brian Eno and his career. RJ, are you familiar with Brian Eno? Hey, now. Of course. I'm not some sort of chump that doesn't know <laughs> Brian, Nin- Brian Nino. Yeah. Good old He's uh, El Nino's cousin, right? Yeah, that's right. So RJ, uh, Brian mm-hmm. Eno, uh, he was part of Roxy Music. That's a band. With, uh, Brian, what is Roxy Music? Uh, a band uh, <laughs> with Brian Ferry. Uh, okay. they, they have some good songs like uh, Virginia Plain, uh, More Than This. They're 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 pretty okay. good. They, they're a big they're a good act back in the seventies. Uh, but then I guess like Brian Eno and Brian Ferry did not get along, or at least Brian Ferry didn't get along with Brian Eno. And so Brian Eno went on to pursue his own kind of like musical endeavors. Worked with David Bowie. Um, mm-hmm. Through the Berlin trilogy, are you familiar with that uh, era? I'm familiar with that. Yes. Okay. I, I know. I know all yep. that, but we should. So, so yeah. So so Brian, you know, he also uh, did a, several albums. Uh, <laughs> we just talked about him, like. Uh, on For All Mankind when I was saying Brian Eno did the score on that and you were like, yep, yeah, that sounds great. So that's Brian Eno because we just talked about him. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, I don't fucking listen to anything that you say. Jesus. Even if I have a response, it's just all, it's already ready to roll. I can can respond to anything you say. For example, I don't even know what we're talking about right now. (laughs) What's happening? What are we doing? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So Brian, you know, uh, he also is a he's a producer. He's like a record producer, essentially. Uh, mm. he, he's worked with several bands. Uh, are you familiar with U2? Are you familiar with mm. Coldplay? I know YouTube and I know Cold Cuts. Okay. That's what you're referring to. Sure. And okay. uh, so he's worked with them. Uh, he's he's very good at his job. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he does his work. Uh he, yeah, he also got he the the startup music on a Mac. He wrote that. Uh, he he's like all over the place. He wrote like soundtracks for grocery stores that are used. Like he's like kind of ahead of the curve as far as like musical design and stuff like that. Still active. Uh, mm-hmm. And the crazy thing, RJ, is guys like this generally are like pieces of shit in some regard like you're just like ugh, right. this guy but this guy is like seems like the nicest smartest person you've ever met 
he just seems like super mm-hmm. so super genuine about everything that he does um he like he knows what he's talking about he's confident and he wants to like i don't know make sure other people are getting what he's talking about um so yeah like i love brian Eno. i love him the man the man the man i love him as a man <laughs> uh, he's got a cat in his studio that he like He's at one point he's like talking to the like interviewer and he's just got the cat like cradled up over his shoulder and just like hanging out because this cat just wants to hang out with with his favorite human. Uh, yeah, Brian's Jodorowsky like, style. And and, uh, and Brian's just like fine with that. He's like, yeah, the cat just wants to hang out. I think that's, that's cool. And so he hangs up. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, they continue filming with this cat hanging off of him. Lots of shots yep. of his cat just laying about the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, super good documentary. I liked it a lot. Uh, it helps probably that I like love Brian Eno sound. Uh, he's great, 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 great. Hmm. Well, frankly, I don't even. I wasn't listening, and I don't care. Fine. No, that, that sounds pretty cool. It, once you said Bowie, I was. Uh, I oh, was interested. Of course you were. So I, I'm interested because of that, but pretty well for no other reason. Okay. Uh, yeah. la- last thing I'll mention is I'm in. I guess like I'm halfway through watching this uh, eight-part uh, documentary that aired on PBS Ugh. late last year called Soundbreaking, so- Stories from the Cutting Edge of Recorded Music. Um, so one thing that mm-hmm. like in my like looking up music lately and kind of being more interested in that is um, I was looking at the Traveling Wilburys. Are you mm-hmm. are you familiar with the traveling? I know Wilburys? the wild thornberries. Is that what you mean? <laughs> no. Do you know the band Traveling Wilburys at all? Uh, they're they're, maybe. A, they're 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 a super band. Uh, they, mm. they 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 Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, George Harrison, Jeffrey Lynn, uh, Roy Orbison. They were a band. I know him. Yeah, in the late night in the late eighties, they were a band. They had like two super hits of songs. Um, and yeah so that was like like if you think about like that lineup of musicians that like just got together and they just hung out and made music that's like you can't even imagine that happening now like you can't imagine like five guys getting together to do that at this point in time it's crazy i don't know you you've never hung out with me on tuesdays yeah um so anyway like i was looking at like jeffrey lynn who is the like kind of the mastermind behind ELO electric light orchestra and okay. I was like oh like I, I love his I love his stuff I love his production and stuff like that and then I found out like the like probably the most famous Roy Orbison song I think that I remember when I was a kid though was uh, uh was it anything you want you got it that that yeah. song that because that song was released like I think right after he died um, and that was produced by Jeff Lynn, who was also one of his collaborators on Traveling Wilburys. And I was like, oh man, like that totally makes sense why that song sounds the way it does, because that's totally what Jeff Lynn would make things sound like. And then I was like, started thinking about like record producing and like people who make like record, like who make the sound of music that you listen to. And I was like, huh, I wonder mm-hmm. if there's a documentary about that, because I'm really interested in that. And sure enough, just like a few months ago, PBS released this documentary on like record production. So there's a bunch of interviews with like guys like Sir George Martin, who was the uh, man behind the Beatles, um, stuff like that. Uh-huh. So I don't okay. know. This is like I, I've I've been just super into this. So you get to touch on all the guys like Phil Spector and the Wall of Sound. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Creepy Phil Spector. Oh yeah, he's a he's a great A yep. creep. But back in the day, his influence, man, that wall of sounds pretty cool. Uh, Rick Rubin, stuff like that. I don't know. It's uh, been fascinating. I'm like 
yeah, four episodes in, and uh, I've got four to go. Um, I don't know. There's the, the last episode I was, like, a little weaker on just because it was, like, about uh, singers and, like, vocalists and, like, how that all works. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, lots of, like, oh, Adele is just, like, such a genius and, like, Amy uh, Winehouse yeah. stuff. And I'm, like, yeah, they're good at singing, but their music doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, but Maybe that's because I'm more of a grandpa. I'm, I'm a grandpa. <laughs> Yeah, it's not Fleetwood Mac, so you don't care. Well, then they then they did have a little bit of Stevie Nicks action. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, didn't Roy Orbison sing "Pretty Woman"? Yeah, nice. He's singing. I like of... Roy Orbison. Oh, he's he's amazing. His his voice, man. Yeah. Maybe we can get him on the show. What's his favorite? <laughs> what's his favorite movie? <laughs> uh, one's about albinos dyed black hair who wear sunglasses. Whoever one has mm. that. That's Ghost World. Yeah. Ghost World 2, The Ghostening. You wait. That might come one day. Um, it's not like Dan Klaus is doing anything else. That's true. Well, mm. uh, that's it for movies watched, I guess. Uh, RJ, got any news for us? I got some news. Uh, apparently, in Canada, there was a Twitter account. Oh, that was my news. You oh, is it bitch. really? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, wait, well, I'll let you take it oh, then. No. And then I'll, I'll hit you with some other news. No, RJ, you go ahead. Well, this is well, mine, I was gonna but say, you go with it. I want to hear, get... hear you talk about it. <laughs> we're going to get in even more hot water because of our um, our very clever name of our brand, of our show, our title, The Creeps, uh, was used by some other people this last week. Uh, a Twitter account, I think, called The Canada Creep. It's called Canada is Creep, it... yeah. Canada Creep. Uh, a man from our very province up in Cowtown, Calgary, Alberta, he was going around taking pictures of women's asses. Videos and, and he, pictures. Videos and pictures of women's asses and putting them out on Twitter. And in about, I think, half a day, he had over like 20,000 followers. He was getting a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of steam. And then uh, some of the people that he was taking pictures of saw their pictures of their asses on his Twitter Mm -hmm. and uh, they took it upon themselves to take legal action. So now this man is being hit with all sorts of voyeurism charges. Um, not only is I had read this, like they hadn't actually found the guy or they, they they haven't found him. No, they, they took the account down. I know that. Okay. Yeah. So I, I saw this because it was on CBC news and they were showing some of the pictures. And then I was, I, my thought was, isn't CBC going to get in just as much trouble for showing these women's asses, I don't know. Hard to say. <laughs> that's where I hey. That's but, where I uh, get. To, that's where I see all like people's like like below the belt shots of people's butts, especially if you're into like Twitter? especially if you're into like morbidly obese people. Oh no, on the news, because whenever oh, they do whenever they do yeah. stories about like obesity and people being overweight, mm-hmm. it's always these like headless bodies that are just like shots, and it's like, mm, yeah, look at that. That's my what, my I mean, favorite is that's what everyone sorry, does, what? right? Everyone does yeah. that. That's where you yeah. yeah. My favorite is on uh, King of the Hill when they're talking about obesity in America. Yeah. And then uh, there's a long shot of Bill scratching his gut. But you can't see his face. But you know it's Bill. Yeah. It's good stuff. So anyways, I brought it up. And clearly you were on the same page. Oh, yeah. Because uh, whenever – because now anytime someone searches creep this week, the first Google hit will be our show, of course, because we're so popular. Mm-hmm. But the second Google hit will be about this other creep and yeah. uh, our, our good name – is getting even also from Canada, from the same province, fucking a stone's throw away from us. So 
our good name is getting dragged yeah. through the mud well, again. The, I mean, we've got creep catchers. We've got Canada creep. I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. in, in on that uh, alliterate, uh, alliteration, CC. So I, I, I like to think that we're all on brand here. Yeah, and, and, and we, uh, trendsetters maybe, mm-hmm. so you could say. One must strengthen the brand. Yeah, trendsetters you could say. I uh, And uh, apparently, I was going to bring this up the other day when we talked about Edmonton, but I forgot. Did you know? That uh, a man in Edmonton now has the Guinness World Record for world's largest penis. I did not. So that's in our province too. Wow. So all you people from uh, outside listening in, that's what we offer. Cre- creeps and cocks. Creeps and cocks. Yeah. I believe he was like 15 and a half <laughs> inches or something like that. Well, that's, that's not even metric. No, it wasn't in metric, even though it was on a Canadian thing. I don't know. Yeah, but Canada is well, the same it, as Britain, where it's that weird mix between metric and imperial. Mm. Legally, it's metric, but there's anyone over the age of uh, 45 still uses imperial, so it's like dominant here for some reason. Right. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> the, the creeps are doing good. Good. Uh, yeah. you, know, you know what didn't do good? Uh-oh, What? The mummy. Yeah, I know. Uh no. Well, it it did like horrible in North America, uh, in its native country. But apparently, it's found some money elsewhere in the less discerning like rest of the world, where apparently they just don't give a shit and they'll just oh, it's mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. He's a famous American and he does actions movies and that's what they did. And yeah, yeah. I um I don't care. <laughs> Well, that yeah. was what I thought would happen in North America, too. Mm-hmm. I thought Tom Cruise sells tickets, but apparently no, when you anymore. get... He's too weird for people now. Yeah, yeah I guess. Even though I think like the real problem was... Ever. Yeah, less weird than... Yeah, he's pretty normal now. Yeah. I think the real problem was a uh, piece of shit non-director Alex Kurtz, Kurtzman, or whatever his name was, the dude who fucking directed that. That guy sucks, man. Like in like wasn't this like his first fucking directing gig anyways outside of like Lost and uh kind of helping out with the uh, the Star Trek movies? Yeah, basically. Like why why would they put any trust in him to direct a huge budget action movie? <sighs> Who wrote this piece of shit? <laughs> There's three people. Three people, Christopher McQuarrie, who oh, apparently wrote Oh, of course he cuz that's was he's Tom Cruise's boy. Oh, but I like his movies. No, you Edge don't. Of Tomorrow. Uh, he look at everything else uh, he does, though. He's he's yeah. he's bad. Valkyrie, the tourist. Yeah. Uh, Jack Reacher, which uh, some people like that, but the usual spe- suspects. You know, I don't think that movie's aged very well. No, I don't think so at all. I yeah. I don't even want to. No, mm-hmm. but he also wrote that movie, Way of the Gun, which is like uh, one of the, like the worst things uh, that's ever been made. And uh, yeah, he he's he's bad. He's a joke to me. He, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, he's involved. But it's like so, he, he's Tom Cruise's right hand man. Like that's his guy. So I'm yeah. assuming he's oh, a yeah. Scientologist and he just says, Hey, Macquarie, I need you. And then he shows up and he, he just yeah. he just polishes scripts up for him. Well, he's directing all the new Mission Impossibles. Like I think he did the last two. Yeah. And those make a ton of money. But okay, I checked yeah. it out. There was two other writers. One guy who's hasn't written anything else, so yeah. he doesn't matter. But there was another guy named David Cope. And this motherfucker oh. wrote Jurassic Park, yeah. Spider-Man, yep. Jurassic Park 2, yep. War of the Worlds, yep. Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. uh, Indiana Jones, Curse of the or Search for the Crystal Skull, Zathura, Snake Eyes, The Shadow, 
Um, and a whole bunch of other shit. So movies. what you're saying is this guy? But is he's a got little, wicked movies too. But he's hit and miss. He well, he, this motherfucker wrote Death Becomes Her. That's one of the best movies ever made. When was his last good movie? How many years ago? Uh, that, that, well, shit. That, that we could, that we could fairly say was his best movie or last wait, good movie. I, I got to put this fucker in chronological order. Um, do you like Secret Window with Johnny Depp? Uh, that movie. Oh fuck, you wrote that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that movie is very missable. Like I don't remember anything about it now. I I would say his last good one was War of the Worlds because okay. I actually like that movie. I did too. And that came out in two thousand five. And Tom Cruise, baby. Yeah. So he also so did all those Robert Langdon movies. Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. <laughs> okay, so there you yeah. go. He, he's and like, then right. He actually was on a pretty good streak. He did The Lost World, and then he did Snake Eyes, Stir of Echoes, Panic Room, Spider Man, Secret Window, War of the Worlds. Yeah. Zerthura, and then he did Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I'm bummed out that this movie sucks. Um, because, well, not because of the director. I think he's a piece of shit. I don't know why they gave it to him. So they they have they had it coming. But I'm bummed out because I wanted these movies to be good because I I think those are wicked characters and they should do good stuff with them and not bad stuff. Yeah. But I'm gonna see this fucker like next week. I think. Okay. And I'll let you know how how fucking fat Russell Crowe is in it. Nice. I heard he actually eats up a lot of screen time. Oh, I bet he eats a lot. Eats a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, nice. uh, any other news you want to spread? I got some fucking news for you, baby. Is it movie news? I don't care. Go for it. It's 10 years in the making. Nintendo finally is going to return to the Metroid series. Metroid Prime 4, baby. Oh, I didn't even hear about that. You didn't hear about this nope. shit, man. So it's E3, big gaming at Expo, and N- Nintendo went in there and blew the fucking doors off. Sony or Xbox went up. Nobody gave a shit. Was E3 Sony yesterday? It's this week. Okay. It's like three, four days this week. But uh, it's almost, It's I think it's over now. But uh, Xbox went in and they're like, 4K resolution. Nobody cared. Sony went in and they're like, all we have is remakes of old games we've done. Nobody gave a shit. Fucking Nintendo went in there. Fucking dropped some trailers for Super Mario Odyssey. Looks dope as hell. Fire Emblem looks dope as hell. And then they blew the fucking roof off with not one, but two Metroid games. One for the 3DS and Metroid Prime 4 for the Switch. Fans have been fucking going crazy about it because the last like actual Metroid game oh. came out like 10 years ago. So, RJ, all I want to do right now is I want to look up uh, reaction videos because I know oh, they're... Oh, no. Oh, they're, the be- they're my favorite. Because oh, yeah. like, nowadays they're so staged and played up, I think. But, man, yeah. those oh, things... Yeah. Actually, because usually there's like a... Someone puts together like a montage or like kind of like one of those multi-screen, like they'll have like 64 frames of people just like watching like a video and them all freaking out simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Those things are... Red Lighter like, Media work- will have... Has lots of those, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's really stupid. I think all reaction videos are staged now. I'll be on the, the internet and it'll be like, man or woman's brother comes home from the military, and it's just like this doesn't believe. look real. Yeah, you won't believe but what anyway. happens next. Yeah, exactly. So but I thought it was pretty cool, man, because was there footage? I know, or they, 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 no, no, just it's just it's just a teaser, and they said it's in development. I think it was just to fucking quelch the fans, man, because people have been freaking out every year at E3 when they don't announce a new uh, Metroid. Yeah. People lose their fucking minds. So, the one on the 3DS is done though. That's okay. coming out in the next this year for sure. Okay. Like I think October maybe. And the other games look awesome too. So I'm happy Nintendo's fucking powering through because as I've mentioned before. 
I'm one of the only chumps in the world who bought a Wii U because of my dedication to the brand. And uh, it looks like they're finally on the up. Wow. Now you, so now you, now cool. you just have to buy yourself a Switch. Uh, when I get a job, I will. You got a job. I got a job, but I'm trying to take care of myself, man. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I have no idea. No, I don't even know what I said. I don't know. I'm trying to get a real job. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll get one. Anyways, that's all I really have, which is kind of non-news, but whatever. Sweet. Um, all right. Well, that's that, folks. Uh, after the break, we will compare cock sizes and uh, <laughs> talk about Alfred Hitchcock's 39 Steps. Hey, Jarrett, I'll long cock you for 100, but I'll short cock you for 1,000. I'm just about to uh, convey some very vital information out of the country. Have you ever heard of the 39 steps? No, what's that, a pub? 
Uh, what won the Derby in 1921? Mr. Jack Jones, humorist, with Steve Donegal, won a length at the odds of six to one. Am I right, sir? And we're back. And tonight we're talking about the 39 Steps, directed by Alfred Hitchcock from 1935. And a synopsis here from letterbox.com on the movie. Um, the tagline, handcuffed to the girl who double-crossed him. <laughs> Richard Hannay is a Canadian visitor to London. At the end of Mr. Memory's show in a music hall, he meets Annabella Smith, who is running away from secret agents. He accepts her request to hide her in his flat, but in the night she is murdered. Fearing he could be accused of her murder, Hannay goes on the run, determined to break the spy ring. <laughs> That's a, what a massive leap that is. I'm pretty sure that is not his intent. Is that um, the is that the description? That's it. <laughs> Jesus. All right, um, cool. Okay, so uh, quickly for me, I have seen this movie a couple of times before, like, mm-hmm. but but never like in a good copy like this. Um, right. Last year, uh, knowing that I'd be watching these Hitchcock movies for the Criterion Collection, Criterion <gasps> Creep Show, I bought this mm-hmm. four, like four-pack Criterion thing that had Lady Vanishes, this uh, foreign correspondent and The Man Who Knew Too Much because uh, it was like a sweet deal mm-hmm. off of Criterion's website. Um, my mm-hmm. So my two previous viewings of 39 Steps were like on old crummy VHS. And the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, I don't really know about this movie. Second time mm-hmm. I watched it, I don't know. Why do people talk about this movie? I don't get it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I watched it for this show this week. Um, and? Uh, I still don't know how I feel about this movie. So I'm going to be asking you what you thought about it because I'm curious. Um, but I'll leave it at that for, for me for right now. And then we'll run through this. But RJ, what do you think about the 39 steps? 39 steps. I would only take 10 out of the movie theater. <laughs> Fuck. That's a bad joke. Uh, yeah. We're going to lose a lot of people on this episode. This is a stinker. <laughs> oh God. I was, I was trying to think of something clever. Um, so but I'm not clever. Talk about Cox again. Cox? Ugh. I will. I'll get there. Um, I think this movie is okay, but I don't think it's great. I don't think it's bad either. I just don't. There's. An, I watched it and I was like, okay, all right, fine. I'm glad it wasn't two hours. That was pretty much my my entire reaction to this was, all right, at least it wasn't two hours. Um, I don't know, man. It, like, at least it wasn't three hours. <laughs> at least it wasn't three. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of dated and old. And, like, I don't want to be the guy who's like, oh, it's an old movie. Because mm. I like a lot of really, like, old movies. You like that and King I like, Kong? <laughs> yeah, I like King Kong. You like those universal um, horror movies? I do like those universal horror movies. And I like Hitch's movies, too. Some of his older ones. Uh, I just didn't think this one was, like, that interesting, to be honest. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's fucking 80 years later and we don't care anymore about, like, or it's the story's not, like, big and elaborate or I, I guess it is kind of elaborate but like i don't know it never really fucking it never really sold me on it mm-hmm. uh because first i was like you get introduced to the story yeah because it's like he's like i'm a spy and it's like they're gonna get me and all i could think of was like fuck this is she's a pretty shitty spy <laughs> if like she's just telling people like shit. this is yeah. she's just telling people stuff and she's like stumbling upon things i was like man she's a bad spy and then like i understand why he flees but like 
he kind of has that Forrest Gump thing where he like keeps falling into these like weird situations. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh... like, I was never like, I was never really invested in him at all. I was like, I don't care. I was like, I don't care if he like gets blown up. Um, They say he's a Canadian, but he's got a pretty thick British accent, Mm -hmm. which is weird. Um, He could have been, well, that was back in the olden days. That's like 1935. uh, I guess, I guess, I guess. Um, no, on, on the general, I was, I just kind of thought it was dated and not, you know, like I said, not that it was old. I was just mm-hmm. like, I don't know if like this is, would be as interesting to people anymore now. Um, well, but, it wasn't, but it is RJ. People love the 39 steps. It's like on uh, all, see, I the, don't... it's on all the lists. It's like kind of like, oh, it's like the best early Hitchcock and stuff like that. And I've never gotten I, it. I, I don't get that. Like, at I don't all. know like how you feel about it, but I mean, I think the lady vanishes is way better than this. Like I, yeah, I, I, I thought so too. Yeah, I think that like that movie uh, zings along. There's like a certain, f- uh, there's there's like the technical aspects to it that are really good. And this movie has those as well. Mm-hmm. But I thought that the Lady Vanishes, uh, I think, is like I would watch that movie again, like really easily. Um, whereas Thirty Nine yeah. Steps, so I was like, oh man, this movie. I don't know, because it's like it's got some weird like breaks in the action that don't make any sense. It's just like, it's very contrived and it seems to like has to like, it has to continue the action because yeah. otherwise there's not a movie. Um, a lot of and, fade to black. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no. Okay. I agree with you. Like I thought like, like lady vanishes. I wasn't like super hot on either because I had some problems with like, uh, uh, like the logistics of like the plan. I was like, that doesn't make sense. But I mean, like that's, that's just kind of a lame gripe. Um, but compared to this, I think lady vanishes is really good. Like this, I just didn't, it's like I said, I just didn't think this was very interesting to be honest. Yeah. I never really bought the story. Um, I didn't think it was like m- once when it ended, Jared, I had to rewind. <laughs> yeah. I had to skip back like a, five minutes because i was like wait a second i was like what happened wait because it ended it ended and i was like i don't know what happened you find out it was the end yeah you find out that's what the 39 steps are <laughs> that's yeah. that that's it i was like well yeah. what happened to them Did, are they still running like i couldn't believe that was the ending i was like and, seriously and now the police know what the 39 steps are it's like oh, is that really that's like what this was all about it's just like so odd um, yeah. yeah, so here's some facts for you, RJ. The British All Film right. Institute ranked 39 Steps the fourth best British film of the 20th century. Uh, in 2004, Total Film named it the 21st greatest British movie ever made. And in 2011, ranked it the second best book-to-film adaptation of all time. Come uh, on. Like, so, okay, no, so this, seriously, this movie has, like, a real big reputation. Um, like, people really do hold this movie in high regard. And, I mean... Um, I didn't double check this on Letterboxd. People like rate this movie fairly highly, and I'm not sure if it's just because it gets the um, it gets the old uh, Hitchcock rub because it's Hitchcock, and but there's a lot of like crappy Hitchcock movies that nobody talks about at all. So he's not perfect or anything like that. But this movie's held up mm-hmm. really, really high. Uh, oh, uh, Thirty Nine Steps was one of Orson Welles's favorite Hitchcock movies, and of it, he said, uh. "Oh my God, what a masterpiece." <laughs> No way. Yeah. I don't believe that at all. Uh, he, he well, did... I believe that he said it, but I don't mm-hmm. believe that he actually, that he believed it. Uh, the film currently holds a 98% rating on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes based oh. on 44 reviews. Uh, its cr- critics' consensus reads, 
packed with twists and turns, this essential early Alfred Hitchcock features hints at the dazzling heights he'd reached later in his career. Mm. Uh, it was voted the best British film of 1935 by The Examiner in a public poll. It was the 17th most popular film at the British box office in 1935. So it was popular then, and it's still apparently popular now. Uh, it's crazy. Like To me, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I don't get it. But uh, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the movie in a little bit more. So it's based on a novel by a guy named John mm-hmm. Buchan. Um, it's just one of those spies, spy stories that were probably pretty popular uh, in that era. Uh, I don't really know anything about mm-hmm. John Buchan. Uh, the thing, the thing I <laughs> note, the, my boy John Buchan, Buchan. Uh, the thing I will pick up on right off the bat is lo- lots of low, high angle shots. Like the, the cinematography is pretty good. Um, I mean, yeah, it's fine. Like it's fine. It's like good for like for nineteen thirty five. I mean, I mean, uh, one day we'll watch The Lodger, which I think comes out on Blu Ray in like a month uh mm-hmm. that movie has like incredible cinematography for like the, the late 20s it's like amazing this the stuff that he was thinking up this movie just seems like it seems to be very much in the service of the story but at the same time it's also like it's not a bad looking movie um the editing's fine and all that stuff but to what end it's not really like it didn't add anything to the story itself right um uh, there's Mr. Memory. I think last week I was talking about like hypnotism and I, I started watching this and I went, oh man, this movie's not about hypnotism. It's Mr. Memory is like the guy. That's what this is all about. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this is a story For about- some reason. And so like another weird thing, another connection to Lady Vanishes is this movie's about memorization and spies. Cause it's also about like people remembering weird songs and notes and stuff like that yeah. and spies and double talk and not knowing who's who and whatnot. It's just like, okay, so this is like, again, uh, maybe these- not these spy novels in the thirties were really popular. Um, and people just like yeah. were into this stuff and like tons of movies were made, being made about this. But nowadays it's like, yeah, I mean, there, you get the born movies, you get James Bond stuff, but it's nowhere near the stature. It might've been, um, uh, <laughs> But I, I, I really, actually, at the end of the day, I am not a spy guy. Um, I, I don't <laughs> like James Bond movies. Uh, those like John Le Carre novels, like mm-hmm. the Tinker Tailor's uh, Spy Who Came From the Cold, that stuff just like I don't care about it. Usually uh, I find that stuff really boring. So mm-hmm. maybe that doesn't help this case either. Even though this is kind of like a cross between the the spy story as well as the uh, the wrong man type of idea of like sure. the wrong, of, a, of an innocent man being framed and on the run. That's like mm-hmm. the other like Hitchcock cliche that's kind of on display mm-hmm. here. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, there's the the Canadian drops, the talk of Winnipeg to Montreal, uh, mm-hmm. the distance traveled, yeah. which is 1,420 miles. Uh, and then there's Carnage at the Old Music Hall, which seems to be like a common thing. Because I remember, like in the Red Shoes, there was like quite the uh, the anarchy breaking out just to watch some performances in that movie. Right off the bat, people like climbing over top of one another to get a good seat. Yep. Um, I don't know this, this about shady ladies who want to go back to your place, and you just go, <laughs> mm, okay. You're like, all right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a few sus- suspicious things there. Like, um, she goes back to the place. And he opens the fridge and he just pulls out this gross ass piece of fish <laughs> yeah. on a plate. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, do you like halibut? And it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, why was that fish just on that plate like that? Mm-hmm. Gross. Is that how they did things in the 30s? Uh, yeah. And then he he cuts a, sli- uh, a slice of bread off that loaf. And it is the cleanest <laughs> cut I have ever seen. The cleanest slice. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's even possible. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. 
that's the kind of stuff I was pulling out of. Oh, this movie. That's, that, that's the sort of stuff that you pull out of all movies, though. Is those yeah. little, those little things. That's... Well, if I if I noticed and it bugged me, I guarantee someone else noticed it, and it bugged them too. Yeah, they they also have something wrong with them, I guess. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Um, another note I was thinking about is like there's a, like the the devil may care attitude of Hitchcock male leads in movies. Oh, yeah. They're they're cool as cucumbers until suddenly they aren't and they get like real mad and strangely violent and like whoa, what the fuck's yeah. up with that? Like it's just so abrupt and kind of like oh, that's a Hitchcock male lead all right um and then my next note was that was some fake ass dying of a woman stabbed in the back like that yeah that's that yeah it's not the best it's like is she faking dying like is that what i'm supposed to get out of this that she's like but no no she's supposed to be stabbed in the back and legit dead but it's like that was a that's a pretty bad performance um it's, it wasn't great it wasn't great um, and then, of course, uh, at that point, we kick off the Man on the Run story, which made me think of Band on the Run, which your darn tune will be included uh, for the uh, interludes here on this episode. Uh, you're giving, giving away. You're spilling the, beans, spilling the beans, which is a line they say in this movie, which I've almost never heard before in a genuine way. Spill the beans. Yeah, you only spilling the beans. millennial hipster ways. Yeah. No, uh, I know what you're saying about the guy who's cool until he's not. Like when he like molests that lady, he's like, hey, he's like, just go with it. Yeah. He's kissing up on her. Mm-hmm. With a bulging gun in his pocket, rubbing up against her. Yeah. yeah. He like steals that car and then he parks it right out front of the building that he's in. It's like, come on, man. You got to park that like a block away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my next note here was that is has to be the nicest hand painted sign for an apartment building I've ever seen. Like where they, where they have all the names of the tenants staying there, and his name's like kind of taped in recently. I was like, wow, look mm-hmm. look at the beautiful craftsmanship of that. Look at the, the lettering. Just uh, wow, what a day when hand lettering hand lettered signs existed in this world. No more, no more. Uh, and then yeah, back on a train because that's a Hitchcock staple. <laughs> trains mm-hmm. oh i wrote that down too i said hitch sure loves trains he sure does i guess they're like a good place to like create uh suspense and tension because you can't right. act the way that you want to on a train because mm-hmm. you're surrounded by other people it's also moving so you can't leave the train and then like if something bad's happening there's nowhere to go uh and then if you want to try to like escape something you have to actually there's a risk and the chance that you might actually get killed because you're just speeding around and it's like if you fall out you're you're done so you have to hold on so i mean trains are like i mean i mean steven seagal's greatest accomplishment was based on this very idea <laughs> under siege to dark territory i mean whoa yeah pretty pretty bold words mm-hmm. we'll see when we get there what's that criterion 82 yeah something like that <laughs> yeah neat uh, and so last week rj we had people banging on a train this week mm-hmm. we get undergarment salesmen. Yeah, I knew you'd have something to say about that. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a position where someone's offered to sell me underwear. Yeah, to your wife. I don't know. I don't know how this happens so often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. <laughs> my my point is, I I would like for that to be real. I just I don't know where it's going to happen. Do I have to go back in time? Uh, a, a podcast I'm listening to, every episode opens up with them doing an advertisement for uh, something called Me Undies. Uh, so oh, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I do get to experience being sold underwear on a regular basis. Yeah, I'm familiar with that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not buying into it. Yeah, 
And then, oh yeah, then we're going from having a laugh about a murdered woman to underwear, all in that train exchange. Because they're reading the newspaper and they're like, oh, look at this woman. Oh, she's dead. And then let's talk about underwear. It's good. It's, Hitch- it's classic Hitchcock, RJ. Classic. Uh, and then, yeah, there's this whole like thing that's like a novelty now. It's this like, paranoia and fear of newspapers and newspapers being <laughs> read at particular times. Because it's like he's on the train and he's like, oh, God, that guy. He's reading about the story and it's got a photo mm-hmm. of me. But maybe it's like not a good enough photo that they'll recognize me. Or, you, I mean, you look at a newspaper and you wouldn't expect to look up and see the very person that's in the photograph staring back at across from you in the same cart. Would you? No, they still fucking do that in movies, though. Oh, they sure do. <laughs> they sure do. Well, because now it's uh, with the smartphones and those Amber Alerts. Uh, I've I mean, seen that in a movie once. I mean, who hasn't been pursued when an Amber Alert's been out? Mm. Are you are you the uh, the ringleader of the Canada Creeps Twitter account? <laughs> no one's seen my face. Uh, yeah. And then we get a, a chase across the highlands. So I guess it's like one of the like few real like action pieces in the movie. Um, and it's fine. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't remember anything specific about it. I think uh, Al would get better at doing this as time went on, maybe with perhaps more ambitious uh, layouts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and of course, one of the worst cliches in all of movies and fiction Books, oh. books in people's jackets catching bullets. <laughs> oh, right. So I guess skipped yeah, over. that's a bad one. I, I skipped over a bunch there. So he winds up like at, at the old farm uh, and there's like the mm-hmm. old like paranoid psycho old farmer who's married a younger woman and he thinks she's stepping out on him. Uh, but he's a crafty old motherfucker who's like, who wouldn't hesitate to like just gun you down in the back and bury you in the backyard. Oh, uh, Ralph Klein style. And oh, um, neat. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but then, yeah. So there's that sexual tension. And then he, he takes the guy's jacket and his Bible happened to be in it. So when he goes to the rich dude's party who turns out to be the ringleader spy guy with one finger, uh, which is like cool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, okay. Like it was like, oh yeah. But I mean, at this point that plot beat is like pretty shallow and it's like, yep, mm-hmm. yep. That's, that's exactly right. Um, and then haha, that, and that nice Scottish lady, he gets beat up by her psychotic old farmer husband for lending his jacket out to that, that Canadian prick. Um, yeah, that's such a weird thing to include. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, he's got to lay it into her. But that, I mean, back in the third, back in '35, that would probably pop the audience because uh, spousal yeah. abuse is kind of funny and charming, right? Um, yes. Oh, okay, and so after he like, so he catches a bullet in the Bible, mm-hmm. and at which point you'd assume that like they took his body and like dumped it somewhere, but he like guess got up, dusted himself off, and made his way to like the police station or is it that like he was stopped with the bullet knocked out and then arrested like it was um they yeah they really just they skip it they skip there's that. a fade to black and yeah. then and then he's it's then, like, he's like it and then he's like laying out the whole spy ring thing to the police and they're like yeah yeah mm-hmm. okay buddy whatever you say you're under arrest and then like it's like we cut to like outside and then he just like bursts through the police window <laughs> just yeah. full out smashes through the glass and just like runs away and it's like escapes the police and it's like holy shit that's like one of the easiest prison breaks I've ever seen in my life like he's, he just broke out of the glass so I guess bro- yeah I guess from now on we should put bars in those windows in a police station where people might jump out of the window if they're desperate enough. But we never saw it coming. Mm. You can um, say that you would do that, yeah. but uh, I don't know. 
Um, you had to be there. My, my next note here is just because it is Hitchcock doesn't mean this shit isn't dumb as fuck. Uh, mm-hmm. Because like, so this story doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it's like they're kind of Not doing really. the like the foreign government that like they don't want to name because like it's times are they don't want to offend anybody like in film markets yeah. by saying it's the Germans, it's whatever, the Austrians, it's the Russians. So it's like, oh, it's just a foreign government. We've seen that before in these movies. Um it's always like a vague threat. Just like I think Lady Vanishes is also a vague threat. Um or it's a made up one, I think. Um anywho, so th- this the plot doesn't make any sense and it just seems like I don't know. I couldn't care less about the machinations of what the spies are doing. I don't even understand what it is, even when they explicitly state it when Mr. Memory says it out loud later on. Uh, there's the political blither blather scene uh, where all Hane uh, is like he, he's mistaken for a politician who's giving a big speech. And we get some ins- like political commentary, I guess, of how all these political speeches boil down to like nonsense that nobody really listens to. Mm-hmm. Ha 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 ha! Uh, next note is Hitchcock does physical violence and action very poorly because <laughs> yes, I, I, I I flash back to um, the bit in Lady Vanishes where it's like that hilar- that bad brawl in the back of the cart, uh, mm-hmm. and that was like pretty crappy. And then um, in this movie, like the physical violence action stuff is also like really clunky. I don't know. Like I remember like making a comment about this. I think with uh, King Kong. Mm-hmm. Where like, like you always assume that like action scenes back in the day were always just like guys swinging for the fences and just like yeah. cl- like they like people who've never been in a real fight in their life. But then you watch like King Kong and you're like, oh, like they're making the like claymation ape man take his back and like do like actual gra- wrestling and grappling and stuff like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. why does the why do those action scenes in this like look better than when with actual human beings where you could rehearse and stuff like that and make it look realistic? It's so mm-hmm. odd to me. Um, and then, yeah, we're back to the Moors handcuffed because, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier when they were on the train, there was the one blonde girl who like, just like outed him outright. She didn't even try to play along with his like, oh, just say we're married and they're looking for someone else. She's like, no, fuck you. You're a criminal. You're going to jail. Mm -hmm. Well, they wind up handcuffed together and then screwball comedy ensues. Um, and then it's just like zany and it's like, oh, look, it's a man and a woman and they're forced to hang out with one another. (laughs) It's the odd couple, man. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not unlike the movie. It happened one night with Clark Gable from the uh-huh. same same period of time. So there's like almost like two two different movies going on here at that point. Yeah, and then the movie just kind of settles on its ending with them like going to a, another performance with Mister Memory, and Mister Memory gets shot and gets to talk, spill the beans on what the thirty nine steps are. And at that point, it's like I don't, I don't know, I'm not invested in this at all anymore. Yeah. And that's like been my reaction watching this movie three times now. It's mm-hmm. it's just not for me, and I guess it's not for you either. <laughs> no, I um, I honestly, I. I don't even know why it's included. Like, I watched I it. Do. And I do. I mean, because like, it's Alfred Hitchcock. Because like, it's old Hitchcock? It's Hitchcock, right. I mean, it's a... Uh, okay, it's, well... But, I mean, I don't know. It's... Uh, as, a, as a movie... I mean, I've never really loved this movie or anything like that. I get why it's yeah. included. It's Alfred Hitchcock. Why not? Um, they had a big sure. package deal with, like, all their, like... All this pre-American stuff is all... Was, mm-hmm. like, released by Criterion at one point. Um, I think only there's the four currently available that are still with them there's a bunch of his earlier stuff too like um 
God, what's it called? Young. It's not, it's like Young and the Restless, but something like that. A bunch of his movies, Sabotage and stuff like that. They haven't put that stuff out yet because I think it's like in a weird limbo. Like you can actually get this stuff on iTunes through Criterion, I think. And it's mm. like three bucks to rent a lot of it. Um, but yeah, like a lot of it has been put out onto discs properly. I don't know. It, there's like, right. def, it's not, I don't know. I just, it's not a movie I super love or anything. Um, yeah. It's just. I just don't think it's very interesting. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that. That's that. Um, that's that mattress, man. All right. Uh, well, who hates the thirty-nine steps, RJ? Hmm. I don't know. Paul Some people. Paul Lyons gave this movie okay. one and a half star. Mm-hmm. Classic Hitchcock run for cover film. Yet I didn't really care for this. Uh, care for it this time around, despite some great elements like the Memory Man. I thought too much of this felt contrived. Setup is ridiculous. Fair enough. Yeah, that's not bad. I don't mind, but I don't know if I call this a one and a half star based on those things. Um, Dennis O'Connor, he gave this movie two stars. The 39 Steps doesn't know if it wants to be serious or campy and fails to even find a nice blend of the two. The baseline story is way too complicated and is poorly explained in the beginning. For a Hitchcock movie, there's almost no suspense. The only positive here is that I liked the lead character and he had some witty lines and a couple of decent uh, haste scenes hey seed scenes i guess that's chase scenes my sister said All she right. saw the play version and said it was far superior because it took a much more comedic tone so maybe the 39 steps is due for a remake i guess um and then someone called the end gave this two stars okay so contrived every movement in the narrative just has this dead weight of dryness where the flow is just off and not in a good way like it helped the film. I don't know why this is counted among the best of Hitchcock. The the story and characters are so dry and story beats contrived to such a high degree. It's not fun or really all that charming and I wasn't moved by it at all. Thrilled occasionally, but too far between that the film really did nothing for me. (laughs) Jeez. I kept rolling my eyes, especially at the relationship between whatever their names are. (laughs) It went from sane human who obviously doesn't believe a man who says he has secret plans wanting to be taken back by spies, even though, come on, someone has to believe someone's ramblings on something absurd at some point, please, to be completely (laughs) fine with him after kind of overhearing the truth, but kind of not. Not that I have to believe in everything as real. It's a film, but still... Man, every time the protagonist narrowly escapes in as much a contrived way as the last... He simply just jumps out of a window to escape the police. Like, it wasn't even that big off a deal, because you know it isn't, right? At least how easily he escapes the clutches of everyone is pretty entertaining in a kind of bad storytelling absurd type sense. I agree with that, actually. <laughs> this, like, yeah. this writing is so... Uh, I, I, I agree with that point, actually. I, 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 do, I do, too. It's just... Uh-huh. It's yeah. the, this this right this grammar is uh, tortured. Hitchcock feels the yep. need to explain how the bullet didn't actually hit him like three times in a row. Isn't that bad storytelling? Uh, uh yeah, I, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think this uh, movie is uh, definitely weak mm-hmm. in the Hitchcock oeuvre. Um, yeah. There's like definitely other movies that are like down there. It's just like yeah, I would never watch this again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and now me too. I and now I own it on Blu-ray. Woo! Hurrah! Hurrah! Yeah, yeah, I'll never watch it again. Yep. 
So there you go, folks. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. I don't know. 39 That's steps. It. That's it. There's that. not much to say. No. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. After the break, uh, RJ's going to get shot in the chest, but he forgot his Bible, and now he's dead. <laughs> Finally. Finally. And he'll never have heard a Brian Eno song, knowingly. Well, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> RJ, have you ever taken a train before? Um, uh, I was on the bullet train in China once. That counts. Yes, I think. Is that where the bullet train is? I was on a fast train in China once. Is that like bullet to Beijing or some shit like that? Bullet train to Beijing? Yeah, I think, yeah. Whatever that fast train to Beijing is, I was on that once. Okay. That counts. Was that fun? Uh, There was not as much conspiracy. Conspiracy murders, as I've been led to believe, happen on trains. You didn't have to give the police uh, the shake. Not as much as I thought I would. Yeah, for all those crimes you committed that you have not been prosecuted for. Well, they can't. If they can't find out that it's you, then you don't, you're not. You're fine. Mm-hmm. They just refer to you as the Hungarian. The Hungarian creep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's my mo. Well, folks, you can email us about your train trips and uh, avoiding the law at criterioncreeps at gmail.com. Uh, mm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram, though I don't know if we've been posting on those things because we're bad people. 
That's you. We're on the letterbox. Uh, I'm Jared Duncan, and he's Barnloaf. Uh, mm-hmm. We watch movies on there. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Rate, review. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Next, yes, week, next week, RJ, spine number 57. Uh, mm. Your your favorite special needs actor, Cary Grant, stars oh, opposite <laughs> Audrey Hepburn in Stanley oh, no. Donan's Charade from 1963. Fuck. This movie is is uh, kind of like Spies as well, but it's been a while since I watched it. But I remember this movie being pretty cool because mm-hmm. it also has a certain Walter Matthau in it. I like Big Walt, but uh, I don't like Cary Grant. He's such a weird fucking dude. Yeah, he's like he's a, so. he kind of plays a weird fucking dude in this movie too. Um, oh, but but but, okay. but but I think it works because he is like off putting. Mm, well, I'll see CG coming at us. I'll be the judge. Okay. All right. Uh, well, good night, folks. Good uh, night. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your enjoy your week without us. Oh.